Everybody alive? Look at somebody. Anybody? Anybody with me today? Wave at me. Are you with me? Anybody in the house? So um, I want you to be ready just to receive this word. I'm so excited to share in the next month uh, about exceptional living. Um, say it, exceptional living, exceptional living, living that just kind of defies the odds, living that, that uh, goes against your thinking sometimes. Uh, listen, God is better than you know he is. Does anybody agree with me? God is better. God is better than you even believe and wants to do greater things uh, in your life than you possibly could imagine. Uh, and I, I want you to look at the scripture in John 8.36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Read it. Come on, say it. So if the Son sets you free... In fact, we have that scripture hanging on the wall back there. Uh, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Uh, we believe in freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Uh, we're a church. We call it freedom. Amen? And we want people to be free. Uh, I love this church. I, I do. I talk about you, just so you know. It's good stuff. Uh, I... I love the stories uh, that you share with me. Of course, I love, how many love the city of Virginia Beach? Any love living in Virginia Beach and uh, Tidewater, Chesapeake, Norfolk? Where's Portsmouth, Tidewater? Where are you? Anybody? Norfolk, Hampton? I, I got one. Boom. All right. So, <laughs> Diane and I uh, took a drive that we were not planning to take. We were, uh, we just, sometimes you just got to go through a, neighborhood you haven't been to before, you know, and all these years, there's some neighborhoods still that we had not spent much time in, looking at some beautiful homes, and uh, I, I, I just, we love that. Anybody got a favorite restaurant in the city of Virginia Beach? Anybody? What is it? Golden Corral. Golden Corral. <laughs> there you go. All right. I don't know what, it, I don't know why that surprised me. I don't know. What? Yama Sushi? Is that what that is? I didn't hear anybody yell guads yet, but what was that? Beach pub. Beach pub. I've heard that is. I think I've been there twice, just down Alaskan Road, one of the old restaurants there. And what's that? Citrus. What? Go ahead. What's that? All right. Okay. Okay. If we keep talking about this, people are just gonna leave and go eat. Shogun. Diana loves. We love Shogun. What? Yeah, I know somebody that has that place right there, right? So, yeah. Tell us where your restaurant, where's your restaurant? 3101 Virginia Beach Okay, everybody, after church, 3101 Virginia Beach Bowl. But they're not open on Sunday. But just go and check the address, okay? Kind of like Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday and... Right, everybody knows where that is, all right? So, so turn left. I messed up my sermon so bad. <laughs> I don't know. When I grew up, I never, I, we never went out to eat. We, going out to eat was just not something we did as a family. We have a friend. His name's Dick Shawater-er. Really, that's his name, Er-er. Shawater-er. And uh, he's been like an uncle to my brothers and I all of our lives since we were little kids. He came and visited the church once a few years ago. Uh, and uh, the cool, one of the cool things is when Dick came to town... Uh, he would always take all of our family out to Frisch's or Shoney's, as we know it. In Ohio, it was Frisch's. And, 
And uh, it was so cool. We got to go out to eat because going out to eat, that was like, what? You're going out to a restaurant to eat? I'm saying not even Burger King, all right, uh, or, uh, or McDonald's. I mean, that was, that was the exception to the rule. So when you guys talk about these restaurants, I mean, how great is it that you're even able to do that, right? Uh, but, you know, one of my favorite restaurants in the world is Diana's Kitchen. You know, I'm telling you. Bam. Jesus died and rose again so you could have more than great restaurants to eat at. Jesus died and rose again so that you could have an exceptional life. An exceptional life. And that's difficult for some of you to even embrace when I say exceptional life. Because when you think of your life, you start thinking of things that have happened in your life and you have heart wounds and you have things that are just not going right. Or perhaps you lost a loved one or something or you've struggled and, and you say, no, life is not good. You know, one of the great sermon illustrations, perhaps you've seen it before, but it's one of my favorites. Uh, who would like $5 today? Anybody like $5? No, wait, 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 nope, nope, nope. Okay. All right. This is $5. How many know how much this is worth? worth five dollars okay how much is it worth now how much is it worth now how much is it worth now so I'm just saying that it doesn't matter what I do to this five dollar bills you still want the five dollars you see what I'm saying and some of you've been crumbled up and you've been stomped on and you've been dropped and you've been messed up and you have decided that because of the journey in your life that you are worth less than what God says that you were worth and I want you to understand that some of you still, anybody want my $5 now? Okay, wait, 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 look, look, look at this, I'm tearing it. Okay, you still want it? You still want the $5? You're saying it's, now you can tape it back together, right? You can tape it back together, and what's it worth? It's still worth $5, and you still want it. And I'm, so I'm just going to hear it. There's your $5, okay? You can, and, 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 and that's what I'm saying about Jesus, that he loves you so much and he died for you. And I know you've been through the journey. I know you've been crushed. I know you've been beaten around. I know the enemy's tried to destroy you. But he is reckless with his love. He keeps fighting for you. And he wants you to live exceptionally. And sometimes you say, well, my journey is so bad. And I want to say, your journey is what people write movies about. Your story is exceptional. Spectacular. The things that you've gone through, yes, I, I've been beaten, I've been bruised, I, I didn't always make the right choices, but Jesus, he never gave up on me, though, you know, in myself, no hope that I see, but he saw what I could be when his spirit touched me, and he never gave up on me, never let go of my life. Still in the room? I, I, you ought to lift your hands and praise God there. That's what you ought to do. Just thank God. And you should say, I'm exceptional. I'm exceptional. I'm born again. I'm exceptional. Because the devil will lie to you. He will lie to you. And sometimes we begin to believe the crumble and the tearing and the stomping more than the word of the living God. And so we forget who we are. I, I, I wanted to just define exceptional. And here you go. Gifted, above average, beyond average, superior, remarkable, phenomenal. You say, that's not me. Go back to that slide. Go back to it. Go back to it. Just hang on to that. Gifted, beyond average, superior, remarkable, phenomenal. Just to hang on to that. That's 
That's so when I say exceptional, I say that you're gifted. I say that you're beyond average, superior, remarkable, and phenomenal. Now, when I say that, you say, does that mean I'm better than everybody else? I didn't say you were better than everybody else. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to get arrogant Christians. But I would like to raise something inside of you, your expectation of who you are. I'd like you to do that because the enemy is so busy trying to get you to believe that you're worthless, that nothing great is ever going to happen or that the things that have happened in your life are not great. You've been shoved, you've been pushed, somebody has told you something, perhaps even in your childhood somebody told you, oh, you're nothing, you're never going to amount to nothing, I, I didn't even want you, I can't even believe you're here. Listen, God's word is always true. So when I say the exceptional life, I'm saying that an exceptional life is purposeful. An exceptional life is peaceful. An exceptional life is eternal, uh, supernatural. An exceptional life is empowered. I'm saying these things about your life. You say, uh, well, I don't have any purpose. Yes, you do. You've just been believing the tearing and the stomping and the crumbling. You have purpose in your life. Wake up, open your eyes. Even some of the wounds that you have in your life, God is going to use for his good purpose. And, and when I say peaceful, you say, well, I don't feel very peaceful. What I'm saying is peace is what you have even in the midst of storms, even when trouble is going on in your life. I don't feel very peaceful today, Pastor. I, I know that you may not like what's going on, but God is still in control. Jesus is still alive. I mean, Jesus is not Groundhog Day Jesus. You know, it's not like he comes out, looks around, goes back in the hole and pulls the rock back over. He doesn't. Does that make sense? All right. Jesus loves you in the midst of it all. So I can have peace even in my troubled times. And, and, and it's an eternal life. I'm not just living today. I'm going to live eternally. It is supernatural. How many know God does supernatural stuff? Right? And, and it's an empowered life. I'm not just doing this in my own power. So, so when I say these things, I'm not saying that you will not have struggles. I'm saying that your struggles become your stories. They become your victories. I'm saying, yes, we're humble and yes, we struggle, but our struggles don't define us. Our struggles don't control us. We're victorious. In fact, the Bible says that we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. I haven't heard all the stories that have come out of Sri Lanka last. I don't know if you watched the news, but while we were having service uh, last Sunday, there were terrorists that were bombing churches. And uh, what, 250, 260 people were killed as they went to pray and seek the Lord. Last Sunday's people say, well, that means they're defeated. No, no. No, they're not defeated because we're all so eternal and stories are coming out. Am I right? Stories are coming out about the victory and the power. It kind of reminded me back because we just celebrated, celebrated, we, we just walked through the anniversary of the Columbine shootings. Anybody remember those days? But I remember afterwards as we began to tell the stories about teenagers that were not ashamed of Jesus Christ, about young people in the high school who would not deny their faith and, and rescued and stood their ground and the gospel was proclaimed even out of that. That's because we are exceptional individuals and our lives are exceptional. We are beyond the norm and, it, and no matter what happens, nothing shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing. And I, I'm looking at you today. And 
every day. There are those of you who are walking into this church and there are people who walked in with you who have went through stuff. People uh, working, uh, people that are, are, are working within this church that are busy in their families, individuals. I see Devin walked in. Devin, thank you for all the great pictures, by the way, from uh, Easter Sunday morning. If you're looking for a great photographer, there's one right there. But if you, if you did not see all of the pictures from Easter Sunday on the Freedom Fellowship page that she took and she posted, wow, we look good, all right? So, I mean, sitting there with your family there today, Olivia, you're getting old, right? Graduating from high school, that makes me, like, ancient. And I'm going to say, what? Man, you are the man. I keep watching your soccer pictures and stuff, and I, it's obvious that you're the greatest athlete in the whole room, except for me and a few others. A- anyway, no, no. You're just exceptional. But, I, you know, I see the journey that they've walked through and what's going on. I'm so excited about the mission work uh, in Ethiopia and uh, Freedom House, or except ex- we're whoop 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 whoop, you know, and uh, you know they're sitting here. You say, well, how do people do that? You go through a journey. You just don't quit. You don't give up. You trust in the Lord with all your heart and realize that you don't always understand everything. And you're living this, these ex- these exceptional lives. You know, the we we had on Wednesday a couple of weeks ago the Galutus who were here and. Uh, he was preaching, and we love Emily and Gabriel, amen, and the stories of all the churches that are being built in Kenya, and how can you build a church by drilling a well? Isn't that fantastic that you can drill a, you can drill a well, give away goats, and build churches? That's so spectacular, and then uh, Jabez was here not long ago, and uh, sharing what a fiery sermon he threw down that particular Wednesday. It was so powerful about the things that are going on, and how they're planning to head back even though all of the unrest that's taken place in, uh, in Haiti, they're going back. Amen. They're going back. They're going to build a home for some girls there. They're going to uh, keep evangelizing, sharing the love of Jesus. So I, I just love what's going on. I love our associate pastor, Preston. Anybody love him? You know, and his wife and the work that they do serving on boards and committees, bringing young men and women to this church and mentoring and preaching, leading missions groups, people like you sitting all around this room who are doing the work of the kingdom. Can I just say you? You say, well, what have I done? Bringing your kids to church, teaching them, praying, leading others, uh, inviting people to the house, getting to know people in this community. You say, well, that's nothing. No, it's exceptional. In a dark and broken world, you don't quit. You just keep getting up, getting dressed, going and doing life, praying with one another. I'm looking at people right now that are embracing exceptional life that Jesus Christ gave you. And I'm, and I'm reminded of these scriptures. I've been looking at this word in John 10 and 10. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. Anybody remember that? More abundantly. In fact, the scripture is actually super abundantly. So as you get involved in these coming weeks here at Freedom, I want you to invite others. And when you think, well, I'm afraid to talk to anybody. Listen, people need what you have. People desperately need what I don't know if I want to tell anybody about Jesus. I want you to slap the devil in the mouth. I'm not talking about your husband or wife right now, okay? I'm telling the devil, the real devil. And I want you to open up your mouth and share the love of Jesus with people that are living below what God wants them to live. Somebody shout amen. 
So our purpose is to show you the way to exceptional living. And I, and I want to just build this foundation on this Sunday after Easter. And I want to talk today about exceptional deliverance. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. For, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. We're going to spend time looking at that. But I also want to spend some time in John 8, 31 to establish this. Uh, you understand that the messages of the Bible are all about freedom, right? You understand that. Being set free. And, and John 8.31 is one of the most profound and clear teachings of Jesus. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. I want you to look at that and hold on to that. If you're looking at your notes, I want you to look deeper at this than you have. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then they answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you shall be made free? So uh, I, I want you to look at this uh, deeply and circle some words in your notes. Circle the word abide. Circle the two words shall know. Uh, uh, abide. Abide. The word abide uh, if, if, I, if I said your abode, you would say your house, right? Where, where do you abide? It's your house. So what Jesus is saying uh, when he says abide, he's saying live as in, uh, live within as in a dwelling place. When he says, you, you, if you abide in my word, you are my disciple. So make your home in. That's what he's saying. Make your home your place of dwelling in my word. So this is, uh, this is covenant. When he says, you shall know the truth, he's saying, this is, this is a covenant discussion, to know. Now, I know some people, all right? Now, some of you uh, may have been at the oceanfront uh, last night until late. I happen to know that we have some folks here at Freedom that were hanging out there. I was at the oceanfront. I was doing a wedding on the other end. Uh, but uh, there were thousands of people because they wanted to see Pharrell and Snoop Dogg and Jay Z and uh, and and I know that you know that's probably that's probably good that you saw them and and I think you know having the big stuff going on down I'm so glad you know bring all that money into the beach hallelujah you know and uh, but uh, just because distance does not mean you know him and just because you saw Jay Z doesn't mean that he's going to take you home so you can have dinner with Beyonce. All right? Now, can I tell you that when we're done here today, when the day is over, my wife and I are going to go home. And we're going to sit down and uh, have a snack and talk. I'm going to tell you. You know, I'm going to tell you everything, but... Then we're going to go upstairs and lay down in the same bed. And we're going to cuddle, go to sleep, and wake up the next morning and look at each other. And we're going to say, good morning, I love you. Now, that might sound sweet. And it might be the relationship that some of you want. But what I'm saying, there is a difference between knowing somebody from a distance and knowing someone intimately. So when Jesus says... Uh, I want you to abide in my word. He's, say, he's not saying I want you to read a scripture every day. 
And when he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When he says, you shall know, he's saying, you're going, I want you to have an intimate relationship with me. That's really what he's saying. Come on. You, you, you want a relationship with Jay-Z? You need a relationship with Jesus. I just need to say that. I just need to get that out. All right. He's saying, if you know me intimately, if you dwell with me, you will be free. So John 14 says, you know, where it says, I'll, Jesus says, I'll make a home for you in heaven and I'll make a home for us inside of you. What he's saying is the context of your relationship is different than what you realize. We don't. The statement is so powerful. When the Jews says, the Jews say, we have never been in bondage to anyone. We don't need to know you. That's what they're saying to Jesus. We don't need to know you. We don't, we don't, need, to, we don't need this relationship thing. And let me give you some quick context here. John 8, 36. Remember that? So if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Okay, so that's how Jesus sets this up. The Jewish believers are struggling because they're transitioning from an old covenant mindset to a new one. They are believers in Jesus, but they are more believers in the old way that was pointing them to a new reality. I'm talking to some Jewish believers in the house right now. Some of you are struggling in your relationship with Jesus because you are settled in your old way of religion, of just going through religious motions and calling that church. That's why some people say, I don't need to go to church, you know, and I hear, I hear what they're trying to say. I get that. What I'm telling you is just your religious activity is not a relationship with Jesus. Um, this is deeper than you know, all right? They, they, they are living, and, and literally, this is what he's saying. They are living in a debtor system. Their new relationship is going to be freedom through Jesus. Jesus came to do more than just to show you how to do right and wrong. He wants to return you to a garden relationship. A garden, anybody remember the garden relationship? Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're just walking in the garden. And he said, I don't want you to eat of the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. And why, why do we say, and, and we struggle with this whole understanding. What's wrong with eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Here's what's going on. Now that I've decided to just walk in with Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus, and talking with Jesus, what I want to know is just what is the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. If I can know what the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do is, and I can just do right and not do wrong, then I don't need a relationship with the Father. I can live religiously on my own because I know what is right and I know what is wrong. Anybody just get revelation? Did you just get that? And so now I have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So I'm just going to be concerned rather than with knowing father. I'll just have the ability to do what is right 
and do what is wrong. That's where the law comes from. Do you understand? So in the law, they had this deep discussion, this deep story of the right things and the wrong things. Don't kill. Don't steal. Right? And Jesus came and he said, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and love each other. Love one another like you love yourself. On this, there is peace for all of the other law right there. Because just because you don't commit adultery does not mean that you are walking in righteousness. I I never committed adultery. I hate them, but I didn't. You see what I'm saying? I didn't commit adultery. I mean, I, I struggle with lust every day. You see, you're dealing with right and wrong. And Jesus says, if you love God and love each other, then adultery will just, not a committing adultery, will just follow that. I'm in relationship with Jesus and I'm honoring Jesus with my life. And I don't steal. Why? Because I love people. I care for people that I don't even know. So it's the law, the perfect law of liberty is in the love of God. Somebody's figuring this out right now, okay? So 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 it's about relationship. Somebody shout relationship. It's about relationship. How many of you know that change is not always easy? Anybody know that? Especially in a belief system that is flawed. But hey, it's the place you've been living in all your life. It's the way I do life. In our culture, we so relate to this story. It's an idea that is based on a teaching that is fundamental in Jewish faith and in the fabric of their culture. It's the story of the Passover. Now, so so here's, here's what comes out of this, all right? That I just do right and wrong. It's, it's this idea, we are free. This is what the Jews said. We have never, go back to John 8, go back to the previous scripture there, Keith, if you would help me. He says, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Okay, so here's what they're saying. We are free regardless of the truth in our lives. We like to say we are free. We like to say that we are overcomers and no one controls us. I'm not talking about this demonic thought of, it doesn't matter what I do, I can do whatever I want. That's demonic. Amen? I'm saying that just because you think you're doing what you want doesn't mean you are free. Bondage is, in fact, a demonic activity. Romans 7 and 14 We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will do, uh, for, for what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate to do, that I do. Anybody been there? Anybody lived that out? Or verse 19. For the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil I will I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is not longer it is no longer I who do it but the sin that dwells in me. And then Paul finishes this in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Somebody thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come on. You, you get this, right? You're free to be you. So go ahead. This, this cracks me up. 
Go ahead and be the best version of yourself you can be. I just love hearing that. I'm going to be the best version on your own. You're free to do that. But honestly, you can't really do that without being truly free, which is the freedom that Jesus offers us. No, no, I hear people say it. I am free. Yet at the same time, I'm filled with shame and guilt and rejection and fear and anxiety and addictions. I'm depressed, confused and victimized, broken and tired. I've lost control of my relationships, my home and marriage. I have occasional joy, but mostly pain. I'm struggling with financial debt, emotional bankruptcy, but I'm free. I may be the third generation of a broken family. I can't have a deep conversation with those who are closest to me. I'm broken down emotionally and mentally, but I'm free. Or or I look great on the outside, but I'm not free to be vulnerable enough to share what's deepest in my heart or to deal with the unresolved anger of my life. I'm living the illusion that I've got it all together. I'm free. I'm free, and I wish I could just be honest about my thought life and my internal thoughts. I believe in God, but I don't have a relationship with him. I'm really an extrovert because if I can control the conversation and keep everyone laughing, perhaps they won't see what's really going on inside of my heart. I'm erasing the search history on my computer every night, but I can't erase the history in my head. I love, but most of the time I'm trying to fit in. I'm trying to compromise because what the culture wants me to become. My culture controls me more than I want to admit. I believe the Bible, but I'm not free to live the Bible. I believe in Jesus, but he probably doesn't believe me. Don't, don't buy into it. And then we say, not me. I've never been in bondage We've never been in bondage to anyone. I know who God is, and I know right and wrong, and I'm going to heaven just like you. I'm hiding out in my house in a relationship, in a wine glass, in a religious costume, but I'm not really living a life of eternal joy, just temporary shots of happiness. My best friends are Fred and Frida, but the friends that I allow into the deepest parts of my life are fear, shame, rejection, guilt, defeat, and hopelessness, shame, rejection, fearful, anxious, addicted, adulterous, depressed, unstable, sick, weak, lonely, a failure, abused, neglected, victimized, forgotten, guilt-ridden, mistake, defeated, confused, broken, and hopeless. But here's your promise. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. So stop pretending that the truth that you're living is really the truth. The truth wants you to come and live with him. Here's your promise. You can know the truth and the truth will make you free. If you abide, if you live in my house, in my words, and have intimacy with my words... And here we discover exceptional deliverance. How does he set us free? 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Somebody thank God for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Here's the intimacy. Here's the intimacy. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And some of you say, oh, I I get that. I, I think sometimes we get it. Freedom 
is a massive social discussion among the Jewish people. It always had been. But it, it was founded in their national experience, which, which is based on deliverance through what they know as Passover. While you were celebrating Resurrection Sunday, the Jewish community was celebrating Passover. So as we continue to walk through the season of Passover, let's get a fresh understanding of deliverance. Easter is rooted in the Passover. Jesus came to Jerusalem, remember? That triumphant entry, entry into Jerusalem, that was for Passover. He came to town while people were all looking for a lamb. And the scriptures are clear. He was the Passover lamb. He is the Passover lamb. But, but there is so much we fail to understand because of context. How many know about the Passover? Anybody know about the Passover? Do you know about Egypt? Do you know about the ancient empire, the pharaohs, the pyramids, the technology, the science, the, the empire, the, the paganism, the mysticism? Uh, Moses was a prince in Egypt. Moses leaves Egypt as an impulsive prince and returns as a prophet of God. And he comes back and he says... To Pharaoh, anybody know the words, the three words? Let my people go. And, and Pharaoh says no. And so Moses unleashes ten plagues upon the powerful nation of Egypt. Blood, frogs, flies, lice, boils, darkness, hail, locusts, pestilence, and finally the death of the firstborn, the Passover. Moses explains it there in Exodus chapter 11, verse 4 uh, through 8. Uh, and he explained to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says about the Passover. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn of the slave girl who is at her hand mill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt worse than it has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a, distinguish, a, a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So you know the story? How many know the story? Anybody know the story about four days before the Passover? They go and select a lamb. It has to be pure. It has to be perfect. They inspect it. They look at it. It is in the house for four days. And then they cut its throat and catch the blood. They clean it and they eat it. They, they eat it completely. But here's something else they do. They take the blood and the Bible says from the basin, they, they're going to dip a branch of hyssop into the blood and they're going to put it on the sides and over the top of the door. Now the basin suggests that there is blood at the bottom and then there is blood on both sides and then there is blood uh, above the door. So, so here's the story in Exodus 12 verse 12 through 13. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. You know how many gods they had? Ten. You know how many plagues there were? Ten. So he came directly at the paganism, directly at their mysticism, at their false gods. So the Bible says 
he's, God says, I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. That's where we get Passover. I will pass over you. No destruction or plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So here's the story. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. There will be no destruction, no plague, no, no plague on my people. This should be an easy application, shouldn't it? It should be because they're in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So remember, anybody remember the introduction of John the Baptist in John 1, 29? When John saw Jesus, he saw him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. World. He did not introduce him as a prophet or a king, but as the Lamb of God. Because we don't need another prophet or another politician. We need someone who can do something about the death and the destruction and the sin in our life. Who will embrace it and place it on his shoulders and deal with it once and for all. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He was the answer to all of the blood, to every sacrifice once and for all. You have to understand this. As you read the Old Testament ceremonies, they are all stories about the coming of Jesus. And there are four simple lessons. One is the lesson of the calendar. Somebody shout, it's a new day. Shout it, it's a new day. The Lord said to Moses, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. God set the calendar for them. This is where, this is where God said, this month is a new year. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, all things become new. Did you hear me? When you put your faith in Jesus, it's a new day. Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Anybody born again? Anybody born again in this house? When you confess Jesus as your Passover lamb, as the sacrifices for your sin, when you decide that Jesus with blood on the top of the door and on either side of the door and at the feet of the door, when you confess him as your Passover lamb, Death goes over your house, but he does not control it. We're born again. Jesus said when he picked up the cup for the first Lord's Supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. In Romans chapter 6 and 4, Paul writes it this way, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. When does that happen? Somebody shout right now, right now. Literally, we have a new life. Anybody love new life? I tell you, I am loving, I am love, love, loving my granddaughter right now. Evelyn has smiles and they're all brand new. Every day she has a new word and it's brand new. You know, I, I, want, I want to keep the smiles. Anybody with me? I want the laughter and the joy. I see it in other children as well here at the church. I watch them as they grow. Listen, I'm a baby boy in Jesus and you have not yet seen all the great supernatural exceptional things that are going to happen. 
happen in my life. It is my new day. Somebody needs to agree with me. It's my new day. Death doesn't control me. I'm not in bondage to Egypt. I'm not in bondage to false gods. I'm not in bondage anymore. I'm new in Christ. Excuse me if I smile different, talk different, embrace different, rejoice in the Lord and worship God when you don't want to. But I'm new. I'm just figuring all this new life out. The lesson of new life and then the lesson of new community. Somebody shout, we are family. Come on, Sister Sledge. Come on, we are family. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family into the household. Folks, we are the household of faith. We are God's people. We are God's family. We are family. I'm not playing with you when I hang it on the wall. I'm not playing with you when I say welcome home. The lamb is for the community. It's for the whole house. So if anyone has an issue, we're all about it. We are into each other. We are intimate with each other. We are generational. We want to deal with one another's curse and get you whole. We want to deal with the pain and the curses in the past and the old stuff. It's like a picnic buffet. I love all the things that God has for for the family. We ought to just walk up to the buffet, all of us together at the same time and receive the good things of God. How many know people need Jesus? All the communities of our culture. You know, it's interesting to me that all the religions, all the major religions, they, they account for Jesus. The Buddhists account for Jesus. He is a great enlightened one to them. Uh, the Muslims account for Jesus, even though uh, Muhammad borrowed massively from the Bible in order to write his Quran. He still, he, he still has a place for Jesus in it. And even though he, they misrepresent Jesus, even the Hindus represent Jesus. They like Jesus, even the New Age movement likes Jesus. But can I tell you, Jesus is the only Lamb of God. Do you understand? You understand that, the, that, that Islam makes no room for him to be the only way of salvation. You understand that. They're looking for Muhammad to come back one day. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. He is the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he wants intimacy with us. The lesson of community. The lesson of inspection. In Exodus 12, we find that Jesus is the only lamb. They brought the lamb into the household. It had to be perfect before it was sacrificed. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. It had to be without defect. You know, when, uh, one thing that I have found about all of you guys, you're all defected. So when I counsel with you, it's easy because I relate. Folks, I cannot be your sacrifice for your sins. It's not me. I can't do that. I make a good pastor. I make a lousy sacrifice. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I can't be your Jesus. I, I looked at Jesus, and here's what I found. When I inspect Jesus, I notice there are no defects. In Hebrews 2, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. 
Jesus is that sacrifice. In Philippians 2, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. He took on the form of humanity, but he has the nature of God. He is God in the flesh. He knew no sin, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. He was tempted in Hebrews 4.15, but he was without sin. So we could be redeemed by the Lamb without blemish, according to 1 Peter 1 and 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, but from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Don't believe that Jesus was just like us because he was inspected as the Passover lamb. And Pilate said it this way in Luke 23. He's, the Pilate said to the chief priest in the crowd, I find no fault with this man. And I feel the same way. Anybody else? We have faults in each other and faulty politics. We have conservatives and liberals and religions, but there is no fault in Jesus Christ. He stands above them all. And the lesson of the cost, my price, the price for my freedom has been fully paid. He said, you keep that lamb until the 14th day of the same month, and then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. The lamb gave his life. He gave his life for the family, gave his life for everyone. We were guilty, but he is, he is the redeemer of the good and the bad. Somebody praise God. Judgment came, but it passed over all of those who took the lamb. And so today, anybody ever heard, ever heard of grace? Anybody ever heard of grace? Somebody thank God for grace. Somebody thank God for mercy. I believe it was Diedrich Bonhoeffer who, 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 uh, who turned the theme cheap grace. Some people think it was, you know, they look at grace. Well, I'm saved by grace. Hallelujah. You don't understand. Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, suffered and died so that all of us could be absolutely and completely free. And now we walk in the law of love. How when can we continue in sin anymore? You are redeemed, 1 Peter 1 and 18. Not re you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold or from the aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers. You, listen, you cannot buy your way into heaven. Salvation is only through Jesus. Galatians 2 and 20. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. They put Jesus on the cross and everyone saw him. They elevated the cross. He was lifted up and all over the world today, people still hear the message of the cross of Jesus. Come on, don't take the message for granted. I know people say, really, all you have to do is confess Jesus uh, as your Lord and believe in your heart. And I say, yes, as a matter of fact, that's all you have to do because of all that he did. You understand? Confess him. Believe in him. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. And then this last lesson, the lesson of the blood. The blood of Jesus delivers us from all sin. All sin. They took that branch and dipped it in the blood. It had to be sprinkled by the Father. You understand? The Father went out and sprinkled it. The Father sprinkled the blood. 
It was the Father who looks at the blood and pours out the grace. When I see the blood, not self-righteousness. When I see the blood, not shame. When I see the blood, not embarrassment. God is merciful. Jesus said in Matthew 26 and 28, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of their sins. In Acts 20 and 28, Therefore take, no, take heed to yourselves, and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. Come on, read with me. Ephesians 1 and 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Revelations 5 and 9, and they sang a new song saying, you were worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. You were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Ephesians 2 and 13. But now in Christ Jesus, who once were far off, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And 1 John 1 and 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 9, 4, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us. In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Revelation 7 and 14. And he said these are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In Revelation 12, 11, Read this with me. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Romans 8, 37. In all these things. Read it. Stand and read it with me. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor the powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Give Him thanksgiving. That's why I tell you, He who the Son sets free is free. He who the Son sets free is free. And He calls us, He says, if you abide, if you live in my word. I just threw all this word into you. Is that, is the word absolutely necessary? See, I don't know these stories. I don't know Bible stories. I don't know Bible stories. You say, well, you don't know David and Goliath? Yep, I know that story, but I don't know it as a story. It's my life. It's how I breathe. I just talked talk to you about the Passover. For some of you, it was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting story. No, it's the reason that I am alive today. It's the reason that I'm not dead and in hell right now. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? It's the reason that I'm free from shame and guilt. Anybody understand? It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And, and you must embrace this lesson because we were not just delivered. We did not just, come on, you understand? There's lots of stories about being set free. There's lots of stories in our culture. But I tell you this, that we have received the exceptional deliverance that is only provided through Jesus. And he now invites us through that deliverance to come and dwell with him. Live with him. Be free. You say, is this important? No, it goes so much beyond important. It is life. It is life. Bow your heads with me as we close. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Lord, for your reckless love. Thank you for chasing me down. Thank you for kicking walls down. Thank you for coming after me through Jesus. Thank you that I don't have to depend upon the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Thank you that you have invited me into deep, intimate relationship with you. And I can know the truth, abide in the truth, and I can be completely set free. I thank you, Lord. But there are those, Lord, in this house today that are just now receiving this gift. There are those who live in guilt and shame. They live in anger. They live in massive brokenness. And they are just now beginning to realize that you came to set them free from every manner of slavery, every manner of bondage that the devil, that the demonic powers of this world no longer have control over them. And I ask, Lord, that from the back of this room to the front of this room, from side to side, everyone would be set free in the name of Jesus. This is what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands, uh, lift them high over your head. Lift your hands high over your head. And I want you to just, I want you to just wave your hand now. Over your head, over your head. And place the blood above your head. Just wave and see the blood. And just say it, the blood of Jesus. My Passover. Say my Passover lamb. Say the blood of Jesus. My Passover lamb. You're upsetting the enemy right now because you are confessing that. Now on either side, hold your hands from side to side. Put, rave your hands up and down on either side. And as the blood of Jesus, as Jesus died on the cross, that's it. Have a good time with it. That's what I'm saying. And I want to say, the blood of Jesus has covered me, above me, and beside me, and below me. I am completely surrounded by the blood of Jesus. Jesus loves me. I am free by the blood of of Jesus Christ. Now give him thanksgiving. Give him thanksgiving. Hallelujah! Now come to me. Those of you, those of you who've been struggling with guilt and shame, those who've been struggling in your life, those who've been struggling in your home, those who feel as if you're not living the exceptional life, you're living below your means. Come and stand with me, if you would. Rush up to the front as swiftly as you can. Rush up and stand with me. Rush up and stand with me. New level of life. Exceptional living. Exceptional living. And as you come, lift your hands and just hold them above your head. And plead the blood. Of, say it. The blood of Jesus. Plead it. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. My altar workers come. Altar workers come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. cleansing stream 
the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Somebody come and sing that tune. Come and sing. Somebody come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to lay your hands throughout the congregation on people nearby. Just lay your hand on somebody's shoulder. Would you do that? And would you do this? Listen, we used to do this on occasion. I want you to plead the blood of Christ upon their life. I want you to say, because of the blood of Jesus, the person who I'm touching now is free. And, and, and as, as you do this, I want to say one more thing. I call you all, now listen, into deep, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus. Do you hear me? I call you into intimate relationship with Jesus. Abide in His Word. Abide in this truth. Know the truth. Live in the truth. And you will be free. We're going to pray with one another. May the Lord bless you all. May the Lord keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. When, when you have completed praying, you may be dismissed into the beautiful freedom that the Lord has provided. I love you all.